You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the focus of Cryptopsy, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, brought to you by Sound Talent Media, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope you guys have had a great weekend. I hope you guys had a chance to sit back, relax, enjoy life, enjoy metal, and enjoy, of course, a few craft beers. I myself did, and I am feeling good. I am feeling rejuvenated, and I am ready to attack this next week. I got a whole bunch of great stuff coming up can't wait to talk to you about all the cool things i have coming up in october because october is on its way people where did september go i don't know but it's already finished don't forget that this coming thursday i have the very first live thirsty thursday virtual hang interview i have invited back danny marino the guitarist of the agonist the very first vox and hops guest ever to come and be the very first live interview at a thirsty thursday i'm stoked about this you should be too if you would like to come join us 8 p.m eastern standard times send me a message via vox and hops's social media and I will send you the private Zoom link. This is a private event. If you would like to be there, you must be invited. So please send me a message, and I will hook you up. This Vox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal is Montreal's premier metal promoter. They put on a whole bunch of amazing events all year long. All of your favorite bands come through Montreal, and it is Heavy Montreal that is putting on those shows. But not only that, they put on one of North America's best metal festivals. And trust me, people, I have played just about every festival out there, and Heavy Montreal is right up there with the best of them. I cannot wait for this pandemic to be over so that I can go and check out a whole bunch of Heavy Montreal Presents metal shows happening here in Montreal, and we can all hang out together. I am very stoked about today's episode because I am with Blasco, who has played bass for just about everyone. He's played bass for Danzig. He's played bass for Rob Zombie. He plays bass for Ozzy Osbourne, and he's a part of Zach Sabbath. Get ready, people. This is Vox and Hops, episode number 186. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I'm with Blasco, who has played in amazing bands such as Cryptic Slaughter, Danzig, Rob Zombie. He plays bass for Ozzy Osbourne. He is in Zach Sabbath, who just dropped a record, Vertigo, a few weeks ago. Uh, how are you doing, Blasco? Let's start with a easy yet complex question. How have you been coping with 2020? Uh... Yeah, I mean, you know, it. I miss playing live, you know, honestly, like I, I miss that aspect of it. Um, but I have, you know, I have my own business that it, it runs from home anyway. So a lot of that hasn't changed in terms of I get up and I go to work in my home office uh, pre-COVID. So not a lot of that is, you know, not, not a lot of that has changed other than the meetings going to meetings have now changed to zoom meetings. Um, and you know, Hey, look, we're just, we have to be sort of pliable in this situation to get through it. And, um, hopefully it doesn't last for too much longer, but, uh, you know, whatever we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out along the way and get through it, you know? So, um, but yeah, coping, coping as good as sort of we can, you know, there's ups and downs, good days and bad days and frustrating days and, accomplished days so 
here, you know, here we are, you know, it could be worse. It's really hard as an artist, uh, staying positive, but I think it's our job as an artist to portray that to all of our fans that, that we are okay, that we're staying creative and encouraging them to, to feel positivity as well. Yeah. I think staying positive is, is necessary as well as staying creative and trying to find unique and innovative ways to get through this. Right. Cause it's not like any of us are going to give up. It's not like any of us are like, Oh, well, I guess the universe says that I can't do what I've spent my whole life doing. I, I don't, I don't believe that. It's just, we just have to figure out new ways to do it. So, um, that's the, that's the challenge, right? That's, that's the challenge. And it's not like getting to where we got or where you got was easy. No. So, so you have that in you and it's just a matter of us going back and reaching down into our pit and going back into that early stages where we hustled and just keep hustling now. It's, it's, it, this is the first time that this has happened to anyone. For sure. Uh, no doubt. So, which makes it a little bit easier on some respect in that we're all in this together and we all have these conversations of knowing that we all have similar sort of feelings of where we're coming from. So um, you can confide in people and, uh, and, and try and, you know, learn along the way and, and we can all sort of work together to help ourselves get through this. Mm-hmm. And I think as an artist, it's, it's, it's very difficult being home for so long for someone that's on the road a lot. You're used to seeing your road family, whether it be your crew members or your band members at that. Or And then just when you go through, for myself with Cryptopsy, when I go through certain cities, I know that I'm going to see this certain person and they it, it's just sort of become a part of my, my extended family. So how have you been coping with, with missing the road life? Yeah, I mean it's, it's just an adaption period. Uh, you know, I mean, like I said, it's, it's, uh, I definitely miss that aspect of it. Um, so, you yeah, know, but I mean, what can we do? You know, you can't, can't go out and play shows without being canceled. So, um, I don't want, I don't want that to happen and I don't want anyone that to happen to anybody around me. So, um, you know, whenever it's ready, it's, it's ready, you know, and, uh, I think we just have to kind of wait and endure and innovate along the way. Perfect. Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lives, music, and craft beer. Uh, do you have a craft beer on your side, or is it too early for you? It, it, it is way too early, but, but I have this very kick-ass liquid death water that looks like it's a beer. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm seemingly drinking. If I didn't tell you, I could just be like, oh, yeah, here's my tall boy. Or whatever, but no, I'm, I'm I'm staying hydrated. It's going to be a hot one today, and um, and uh, you know, I can't get uh, I can't get funky before noon. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, on my side, I'm drinking this little special brew. This is from uh, Micro Brasserie Pixel from up here in Montreal, Canada. This is their Simpson-inspired beer. All of their brews always have just uh, the best can art, and this just 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 dropped. It's their session, their Springfield session. This is their session IPA, clocks in a four percent with lactose. It is uh, super cool. I love what uh, Pixel's all about. T- tell me about. Uh, do you have a craft beer journey? Are you a craft beer enthusiast, Blasco? Uh, uh I'll start with picking up where you left off with that with that can so yesterday the, on instagram i saw this uh sour patch ipa re- reoccurring in my feed for for some reason well not for not for some reason i mean like i like sour patch kids and 
I like beer. So it's uh, someone licensed Sour Patch Kids and made it an IPA, which I'm I, I'm scared of on one hand, but intrigued on the <laughs> other hand. So I don't know if I'll be able to get my hands on on one of those, but yeah. Uh, if I can, I'm, I'm probably going to give it a try, but I'm going to have very low expectations on it. Um, but in terms of uh, in terms of craft beer, I'm not a, like I'm not well versed. Um, sometimes it's a little too much information, right? Like uh, for me. But I've been experimenting, and you know, like I said, I don't know a lot. I don't read blogs, or I'm not in chat rooms. Like I don't care that much. But when I go to the store. Like it will, I, I'm intrigued by cans, right? Or, or the marketing and whatnot. So I'll get sucked into that from time to time. Um, I'll tell you what has been a game changer for me is uh, I saw it on Shark Tank. And it's this, uh, it's this thing called physics. And it's this bit of a contraption. My, my explanation of it is, is terrible, but it's a game changer. Let's just put it that way. But you, you put uh, a bottle or a can, craft beer, any kind really, but I think craft beer uh, um, wins in this particular thing. But it turns a can or a bottle into a draft. Really? Yeah. So it goes through this system and you pour, you pour it into a glass like you would pull a normal tap, but then you pull it backwards and it, it gives it, it, it's magnetically gives it that head and that, and sort of that sort of draft perfect pour yeah that sort of draft um uh, accompaniment with it and uh it's it's been a game changer like for 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 me it's like um but yeah it, they're they're really hard to get i think because they're on shark tank it's like every time you go to the site everything is like sold out so i i don't know but if you can get your hands on one i highly recommend it that's super very cool. I, I I had not heard about that. I do love Shark Tank though. We got to get our bands on Shark Tank, and then we'll all be, we'll be sold out. Too. <laughs> Good idea. Yeah. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit about you, uh, your life growing up uh, in your parents or guardians' house. What music was playing when you were not in control of the music? What music did your parents or guardians listen to? They were very much uh, Beatles and Elvis kids. Um, and then like, cause I grew up in the, when I, when I was a kid, I was the, would have been the seventies. So, uh, you know, one through 10 years old was seventies. Um, and, uh, so there was a lot of like folk and stuff like that going on. Um, some cool stuff, you know, later on, um, there, there, there was a lot of like adult oriented rock which is like Journey and Foreigner and Sticks, like that kind of stuff. So I think inherently there was guitar music, right? Like there was guitar-based music in the house, which, um, which led me to Kiss. And then Kiss was the gateway into everything else, heavy and rock and image and all that stuff. So... Um, that that was the that was the origin story. So my parents weren't totally uncool when it came to music, but they were just sort of of their generation. But but in hindsight, now that I think about it, it's, it, it could have gone a myriad of ways. But good that they did actually like guitar music. Was there ever a band that you brought home that was just too much for them? Do you remember that band? Well, they were reluctant on getting me my first Kiss record. 
um, you know, they're like, well, here's this Peter, Paul and Mary album. I was like, but that's not, that's not me. Right. Like I want something that like is that I resonate with. Like, I don't, like, even though I may like some of this stuff, like I, it's not my generation, I don't resonate with it. So, uh, so I wanted something that was specifically me and that band was kiss whenever I was, you know, seven. That's amazing. And so many times on the podcast, I hear Kiss being that gateway band. It's so amazing how many people they have influenced and, and, and how they affected the global music scene. And, and, you know, so many genres blew up and grew out of Kiss's either theatrics or the visuals or the, the you know, everything that they brought. It's just so interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, because you figure, you know, their real sort of explosive height might have been like 75 through 77. And at that point, I was five, six, seven years old, right? And so seeing the spectacle of that at that age, I mean, I guess it would scare some people. But to me, I was like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever <laughs> you know pure intrigued yeah. <laughs> i want more yeah <laughs> yep, for sure so take me to your first time that you ever witnessed a show do you remember the first show that you went to go see uh well the first show that i ever went to go see that i wanted to go see would have been kiss and motley crew but before that like i went to like a like a Shauna Na concert. I think I saw Joan Baez or whatever, but this was all stuff I was just tagging along with my parents too. Right. Um, the first concert that I was ever like, I need to go to this is, was kiss on creatures of the night tour and Motley Crue was opening and they were on the too fast for love. Wow. Do you remember that moment? Do you remember standing in that arena, the room? Yeah. And, and without a doubt. It, and, and it was at the universal amphitheater um and i thought it was the greatest thing ever in hindsight you know you come to realize that the universal amphitheater was like six thousand capacity room and i didn't realize that they were sort of on a, a downturn at that point you know because they, they were usually like an arena band and, and, and universal amphitheater was not a, an arena and, and um and so i don't i didn't think that i realized that it was a, a down time for them to me it was like the greatest thing i've ever seen right they had like the drum riser was like a tank and like they, they did all this stuff <laughs> you know they did all this stuff or whatever but um so yeah I, I i thought it was the greatest moment of my life at, at that point you know and was it a moment where you were also like i'm gonna do that i'm gonna be on stage one day did you already have that in your mind when you went to that concert <sighs> man that's a good question uh i don't know i th I, I really kind of think that i was still young enough to not really understand that they had a skill that someone could attain. I think I just thought they were aliens dropped from the sky and <laughs> they just appeared, you know, in front of me. Um, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I don't really know that that was a skill that I thought that I could possess at that point. It wasn't an, an obtainable goal. No, like I don't, I, I don't think so. Take me to your first time on stage. Do you remember your first show? Well, they were like backyard parties and smaller kind of stuff. Um, trying to think the very, very first time. I just think it was like a backyard party. So it's like not really all that terribly exciting or like a talent show or, you know, like 
some small thing that where it's like, I don't know that in those types of instances, like you really feel the energy, right? Like if you're just, Mm -hmm, if you're just playing to like friends and family, it's like not real. Like you have to get a room full of people that you've never met before in a different city to just be like, wow, this is like a real thing. Like there, there's some, there, there's real energy here. Um, but, uh, I think the first time that happened was cryptic slaughter. And we, we did some backyard party, VFW hall kind of makeshift gigs or whatever. But I think the first gig that I really remember was, uh, opening for discharge at the, uh, at the Fender's ballroom in Long Beach, California. That, that, that to me kind of feels like the first gig because it was like a bunch of bands with records, with record deals. You know, it was like us and Excel and Final Conflict, I think Attitude Adjustment, like all real bands, you know. And then Discharge was was headlining. And that's like super real band from a different country, you know. And, um, and yeah, it was like their shitty record whatever but once again still to me like i i don't even know that i put that in much perspective like you know i can say like the first gig that i re- like remember being a real gig was you know opening for discharge some and then like that's when it felt kind of like real where there's a packed room full of people that are doing a slam pit to your music you know like that's whenever you first kind of just go like wow this is an energy I've never felt before. It's amazing. It's, it's probably why we keep doing it. Having that hair, hair on our arms, raising adrenaline reciprocation between an audience and a, and a band while we play shows, uh, which is something that I'm missing dearly right now. But when I do these interviews, I sort of get that sort of vibe right before it starts, right before we start a conversation. I always get a little bit of that same energy as to when I'm going to jump on stage uh, that fills my void for that. How have you been filling your void getting that itch scratched during this pandemic? Man, I, I, I think just putting my head down and going to work every day, like, you know, you really, you know, there's this, there's this thing that you can't explain that beyond not being able to explain the feeling of, of that adrenaline and energy that you get from playing live, but there's something else of whenever you're living in that tour bubble where it's, it's you and your friends in a bus or a van, like close proximity to one another. And you're just like on a pirate ship and you're just going from city to city. (laughs) And there, there's something to be said about that type of adrenaline and energy that is, specific to this little bubble that you're living in and i don't i don't know maybe some of it is ego um of, of just this but it's just this feeling of being sort of indestructible right and like untouchable because it's like everywhere that you go it it's it, it, people are the showing up to see you and what you do and your art and then you get filled with that adrenaline from them on a nightly basis. And you kind of carry that over weeks at a time. And then, and then the energy sort of resonates like on the bus after the show and sort of talking about it. And if it was good or if it was bad or how were merch sales and all this stuff. And, 
So I think that there's one thing that is definitely a gaping void is, is that sort of unexplainable feeling of living in that bubble. Whereas like, you know, now it's like clean the cat box and, you know, coming, coming into <laughs> reality of grocery shopping and cat boxing and, and working, you know, like it's, it, it, it's like, that's definitely something that you, you miss that you can't explain to anyone other than someone like us, you know what I'm talking about. Someone that hasn't done what we do. You, you, you sound like a total asshole trying to explain that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very, uh, you know, we, we are very lucky to do what we do. It is a, a beautiful thing. And, uh, I, can't wait to start doing it again and uh but only when it's safe but for myself that's that's really something that I'm, i've been talking about a lot on the podcast that i want to wait i don't want to go and just start playing gigs and that's my personal belief so uh how do you feel about that how do you feel about bands that are going out and playing now well i don't think that's a very smart idea um because it's like it just it just drives a lot of negative press um, just because people are willing to show up doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Um, and certainly you don't want to be attached to anyone getting sick, let alone that g getting to where someone passes away. Um, you know, you definitely don't want to potentially put yourself on the ringer for something like that. That's a big weight of responsibility that y you can avoid. Yeah. Right. Um, but I mean, Look, I mean, there's a lot of things that can be done in this time. If you're a band, you can definitely write and rewrite music. You can put a lot of you can put a lot of criticism and spotlight and not feel rushed to really go like, well, whenever we come out of this, we better have our best music ever because it wasn't like we weren't afforded the time to really craft something you like like of, of a high magnitude of quality and then i think that there's the 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 option to live stream a show and really connect with your audience like on a bunch of different ways whether it's a show or whether it's connecting podcast twitch live you know live stream i think the live stream shows is 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 really positive like i i feel like being able to engage with your audience on that level and if you're fortunate enough to be able to pull one of those together, um, I've had a lot of I've, I've, I've had a lot of success and seen a lot of success um, from both sides of that, whether I'm creating one um, or whether I'm just watching one. Um, I, I feel I feel that's a that's a cool thing that potentially could we could carry on into the the, the next wave whenever we come back. I think that it's something that could we could really supplement touring with and and um and really be able to reach fans everywhere that maybe don't have an opportunity to to see you for whatever reason so i think i think that's a that, that's a cool thing that bands have been doing and now we're at the point now where we're all trying to outdo one another which i think is a really healthy competitiveness right to where you've got you know you've got Corey taylor now kind of setting the new bar of like at from the forum and hmm, yeah pitching and selling you on the most, you know, exciting pyro induced um, <laughs> arena show you can get. So 
I, I, I appreciate all of that, right? I appreciate the fact that we're all trying to outdo each other because in that instance, the only people that, that win or the main people that win are the fans, right? So um, it's it's good. Like you can't you can't just pop open your laptop and acoustic from the couch. I mean, you can if you want, and that's what your fan base wants. But in terms of the value of what it sort of it's it's limitless as to what what can happen now. So I think that's kind of exciting. It's exciting to me. It's super amazing. And I love it. And behemoth did a sick live stream a few weeks ago. It was, it was so good. And, and they are right up there with, uh, with uh, Corey as well. The, and I, I think it's very interesting too, that bands being from all across, across the globe, we can't go and steal each other's crew either. So it has to be all local crews that need to one up each other, which is even more of a challenge. And I don't think live streams are going anywhere. I think that they're even going to stick around after the pandemic. And I honestly believe, and I've said on the podcast a few times, they are going to start being included in record deals interesting yeah could be could be there's a way to, if there's a way to monetize it the, the you know record companies are going to want their fingers in that for sure yeah well <laughs> they better come they yeah. better come to the table with some production because you can't just put your hand in the cookie jar without giving us the cookie jar you know so yes please <laughs> <laughs> well they did, they did it with digital but yeah <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about your management. Can we talk about that? I think it's super interesting. Yeah. Uh, to tell me about how this all started. How did you end up managing other bands? You manage a bunch of great bands. How did you be, get into the world of becoming a band manager? Well, a little bit out of necessity, but mostly just for the love of rock and roll. Um, like I'm a hired, you know, like, I mean, transparently, you know, like I'm a hired gun bass player um, my whole life. Like I've never written a hit song like i get paid i get paid to show up right but there's but there's no residual checks right like if like i've got no piece of an aussie record you know like i've got i've got no piece of a rob zombie record right and like i'm not bitter about it i'm just saying like i i'm not i'm not a writer that's not that's not my contribution to the world of of music right like i show up and i kick ass and i make the dude the dude's name on the ticket like I make that dude look as badass as possible, and that's my job, and it's been my job for a long time. Um, and I'm not bummed about it, but like, uh, but like, I just I don't write. Like, I, there's there's no uh, there's no kicking back and waiting for the royalty checks to roll in for me. So as I get as I was getting older and you know realistic about it, I'm like, well, I I don't know that I can be a hired gun bass player guy for the. The, the rest of my life right like i don't know if there's enough gigs around there like i've been very fortunate to have a, a super kick-ass <laughs> gig and and, and, and you've played with everyone <laughs> and never having to play some shit music just to pay the bills right i've never had to do that and i'm very fortunate and i do not take that for granted but i'm also realistic in that at some point you know that that train ride might come to an end and if it does then what am i going to do so but i knew that i love music and i want to be in music and how can i continue to be in music without actually playing music so i thought of managing bands you know it's it's a it's a flexible situation that doesn't require me to be in an office um and i've been you know i've i, I know a lot of people and have been around so sort of logically 
I, I thought like it could be something, it could be something good. Like I, I could have something to contribute to bands and I could elevate careers and, and, and whatnot. Like at least, you know, in my mind, I thought that it was a logical transition of something that when music play, being a musician does end for me, I can, you know, comfortably just transition into that. So that's, that's why I started it way in advance. Cause it's not like you can just go like I'm a manager and yeah. I'm, bills are paid. That's not how it works. So I knew it was going to take some time to build up a roster and a clientele and, and, and everything. And that, and that's what I did. I mean, I've been managing for like 15 years now or something. And, um, and I've got a pretty sick roster now that I'm stoked with and, um, you know, hope to build that, you know, obviously over time, but at present, this is what I do, um, primarily. And, um, and I'm, I'm stoked about it. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, that's kind of the, the origin story. That's amazing. Were, were you always that guy that, that was always involved in the business and all the bands that you played in or were in, was interested in it? I mean, I always uh, like, I think there's one thing that I know about me is I was, I was the one dude that was always the most motivated, right. To, it, it was in a band. Like, even from early on, like I was always the dudes like, we got to get gear. We got to rehearse. We got to do this. And like, like I'm the, I was the one putting together the, the deals to record a demo or, you know, what, like whatever. I wasn't necessarily the business guy, but I was always the most motivated guy. Right. I was always the most enthusiastic guy. And, you know, the, the majority of people that I was in a band with early on have, fallen off like even that you know or, or they just didn't pursue it it wasn't something that they wanted to do whereas cryptic slaughter i think is a pretty good example of i was really the only one that was kind of really motivated to really play music after afterwards you know like the other guys i mean and grand we were so young right so when the, when the band kind of disbanded and broke up it was like we were all graduating high school so it makes it makes sense that you're like, well, we can't live at our parents' house forever and think that <laughs> playing heavy metal punk rock music is going to pay the bills, right? Um, which in hindsight, I guess in some ways it, it could have, but it just didn't seem like it at the time. You know, because we, we, had, we had put out three records and when you figure that Metallica had put out three records and Slayer had put out three records we weren't there, <laughs> right? Like we didn't have, we, we didn't have that trajectory. So it was like, it was like, okay, cool. Well, this, this all feels like over and people had other interests in what they wanted to do. Um, and I, I only wanted to play music and I only wanted to, to be that guy, but even bands before that, like, you know, that none of those people play music anymore and um and there was even guys that i was in in, in bands after the fact like th none of them play music anymore um and uh and and you know i get it real life takes over it's not it's not it's not a realistic thing for everybody but so i, I so i think no so the answer to the question is i wasn't always the business guy but i was definitely always the most sort of motivated enthusiastic guy and that probably is the characteristic that i was like i got to figure something out and I was like, I can manage. Fuck it, I, you know. Or like, I can at least, I can at least try. You know, I at least know that I can try to do this and stuff. And um, and yeah. So here we are. 
who, who would have been that first uh, artist that you you convinced <laughs> as you were starting this out? well um the first real band was in this moment um oh, awesome. and yeah. they at the time had a demo um on myspace like a three song demo on myspace and they had done a little bit of touring um like on their own but man they were super hot like you know on on myspace and people were digging them but like there was when i when i came in you know there was there there was uh no labels and interest or anything and i remember shopping them and getting a lot of sort of very hostile passes like not even like a polite pass but like uh this band is bullshit kind of pass and i was like wow all right well i totally disagree and clearly i was right <laughs> so yes you were <laughs> and, uh, so um but yeah and then that that the in this moment led to uh black veil brides that led to zach um that led to uh high on fire you know led to clutch um and whatnot and a few other things you know al- along the way but um but yeah but that's that's been kind of that's been the thing. <laughs> That's amazing. But it's, it's all about word of mouth and, and being consistent and putting the work in there. Do you think that uh, bands need a manager now in 2020 in the new world of the music industry? You don't need a manager to build a fan base. You know, a lot of what I get is like, we could be so much bigger if we, if we could get our stuff out there, which is not a true statement. It's like, there's nothing about what I mean, and I think that in this moment, Blackville Brides are a very good model uh, in terms of, you know, those bands didn't have a manager to record music. They didn't have a they didn't have a manager to make a music video. They didn't have a manager to build a fan base on social media. You know, they didn't have a manager to help them write songs. They didn't have a manager to name their band and give them a logo and, you know, like all of that. Like they did all of that on their own because they were super motivated and they grinded, you know, like on social media. And they and they they had a vision for what they wanted to do. And at that point that it became out of control and they knew that they could get a record deal, but they had no way of knowing how to navigate that without totally getting hosed right and signing mm-hmm. away their their life um everything yeah. um at that point they needed one so does a band need a manager no not not early on you need a manager at the point to where you feel like it's it's gone beyond your pay grade right to where you go like i know that we're nearing the next level and i know that i know nothing about that you know that's whenever but early on it's like you know, like a manager isn't going to come in and give you fans. Like you have to put in the work um, to to put yourself out there. And there's a little bit of, you know, luck and timing that are involved with that. You know, it's it's not it's not an exact science because if it was, someone would have that equation that they would sell for hundreds of thousands of dollars to, you know, <laughs> somewhere and they'd be fucking on vacation right now. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's so yes and no. I mean, like, I mean, I, I'd even stand a reason that at some point now, even like a bigger band 
maybe doesn't need a manager now that they've been through it, right? And maybe they're lucky enough to have got their masters back. And they, you know, they, they're, they're not in debt anywhere. There's no outstanding advances. Um, they, 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 they know, like, I think devil driver is a good example of like, Des is a very smart guy. He's been around the block. He went through, you know, a handful of managers along the way. And then at this point, at some point he just wakes up and goes like, I know as much as anybody else. Like, I don't need people to tell me what to do. He's like, I'm just going to, I'm going to manage my own band and I'm going to start my own management company. Um, and that's what he did. And, and so I think that he's a good example of someone to where you go like, and you know, devil driver is a legitimate brand and, and have been around and, and, and for quite a while. And he's like, I don't, I, I know the business enough to where it's like, I don't need to break off someone a piece, especially it's like whenever you consider, you know, bands like us, right. That are, that are in this heavy metal world. It's like, it's like we're not post malone right we're not going to get a bud light endorsement we're not going to get a doritos in like endorsement right we're we're, we're barely even going to get played on the radio like real radio right so it's like you figure it's like what do you even really need a manager for like what what about your business do you feel that you don't know enough of that you that that you need someone to come in and do which is maybe a good example of someone that goes like I think I know the bulk of it, but maybe there's this one aspect of it that I don't know. Maybe I just need to hire someone just to to just to take care of that part of the business, or maybe it's more of a consultancy than it is like a management situation, you know. Um, so, but you know, I, I think now we're entering in a world where it's it's open ended, and in, in the management situation, I think is a case by case basis in terms of what someone would might or might not need. Absolutely. But you have to have a guy in the band or in the team that can take those responsibilities on. Sometimes bands are just creative genius, but they can't speak to people. <laughs> we all know a band like that. That's true, too. And, and, and you know, that's that's a band that does need a manager to have that role just to be the guy that sort of can connect the dots between all the team members as well as the band members and have one core of communication so that everything filters in all the right places, you know? Absolutely. I have to uh, give you a massive shout out. When I started thinking of doing Vox and Hops, I was listening to the Managemental podcast quite a bit. Uh, talk to me a little bit about podcasting. Uh, that podcast is on hiatus right now. If Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. I, it, uh, um, uh, Mike and I are super friendly and talk all the time. And, um, you know, we want to try and resurrect it. It's a matter of just kind of putting our schedules, you know, back in. And also, too, I think we want to, like, think of another angle of of how to do it so that it's maybe a little bit more engaging or just do, like, you know, it's like if we're going to spend the time to do it, like maybe there's a different angle that we can approach with it. Um, you know, so we've thrown around a few ideas. But I, look, I, I love podcasting. And at, at the time that we were doing it, um, it feels like it wasn't as hot as it is now. Like it was definitely bubbling, you know, it was definitely hot, but you didn't, you didn't have Joe Rogan getting a fucking multi-million dollar deal with, you know, Spotify. <laughs> like it wasn't, well, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't that hot, um, but certainly necessary. And it's a very good brand extension. Um, I, I liked, I like communicating with him on a weekly basis just for nothing else of just kind of catching up and throwing ideas around and seeing how someone else you know thinks about 
our business. And um, I thought it was productive, you know, in, in hindsight, I don't, I don't, I mean, you listened to it. So, you know, you tell me like, it, was it, was it something that you got a lot out of? Um, how could it be better? Right. How, how, how could it be different? Um, or was it good or was it good as it was? I don't know. <laughs> I think it was good as it was uh, for myself. Uh, some of the episodes were aimed at younger bands. So, so those episodes didn't really necessarily speak to me, uh, but uh, the ones of you know talking about managers and uh, getting record deals, I, it was a very very interesting listen, and uh, I, I think it was okay the way it was. Maybe you guys can pull out to uh, start doing some video too, and that's uh, more engaging now. Yeah, it would be something I would suggest. Yeah, totally. Yes, things have changed. I did I did another one too called A New Level that was uh, a, right. a one season thing, and that was a little sort of solo project, if you will. And um, I felt really good about that. I really felt good about about how that got done. I'm not patting myself on the back about it or anything, but it, 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 talking about podcasting, like I felt like I really enjoyed the process of doing that. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy with, with, with how it came out. Um, and, you know, like I, I might do that again. I don't know. I mean, at this point now, I, I'm if Mike and I do something again, you know, we'll, we'll figure that out. I think that could be cool. Um, but right now I'm in the headspace of like thinking about doing something on Twitch. I'm not really sure what, I'm not really sure what that is, but I'm thinking of it being sort of more of a hang and like a DJ thing, sort of bringing, bringing sort of my musical taste and whatnot. It's like, I've got like playlists and I had a show on, um, uh uh what was it give me give me radio for a while and and stuff so i'm intrigued i'm currently intrigued by the the twitch platform and um it's uh people are doing really well on twitch yeah and 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 personally it's like i'm not even necessarily thinking that like i would make any money at it i think it's just kind of like i think it maybe that's the next level of sort of brand extension for me is to to kind of be on there and having more of a of a hang like a hangout kind of place where we just play music and they kind of like, kind of like a situation like this. Right. But, but, uh, Very cool. you know, um, so yeah, I don't know. That's just something I've been thinking about as of, as of late. Very cool. Let's switch gears back into craft beer. Uh, if you could have a Blasco craft beer, what would it be called and what style of beer would it be? Yeah. Wow. Um, well, okay. So in terms of craft beer, cause I guess we kind of bounce past that real quick. Um, I'm, Definitely not into sour beers. Not not a fan. Um, Hence why you're afraid of the sour patch IPA. Yeah. Um, I some IPAs, right? Are 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 okay. I mean, I think that I like the the idea of the craft style. In that, like independent brewers and independent canning. Like, I think I like the whole idea of sort of like this this little like microcosm of of fans of beer but they're creating their own little environment like i like i like that aspect of it like like little coffee companies and just i just like the idea of these like little companies that are or that just have their own their own angle to it right like i really like that aspect of it um but i'm not like I'm not too well versed in it. Like I'm sure like if I mentioned stone brewery, people are like, 
composer. <laughs> no, no, they're still they're still they're one of the predecessors. They they, they set the game for for the whole Californian scene. But um, but I don't know. I, I honestly I haven't put much thought into that of what it would be. Um, uh, I'd have to I have to get back to you on that. I'm probably heavy metal related or cat related maybe mixing of yes. the two not really sure um but uh something in there yeah for sure awesome awesome one last question while i finish off this springfield session from micro Brasserie pixel which i picked up at la canette which is my one of my favorite craft beer stores here in vilray montreal gotta give them a shout out i love them so much um it probably never happens to you because you're, you're very organized and uh, you know how to take care of yourself. But every once in a while, it happens to everyone. So what is your hangover cure? Oh, wow. Uh, so interesting. There was, I kind of like lost count because it, it wasn't something, it was where I, like, it wasn't like a, a getting sober kind of thing, right? But um, uh, it was like a very much thing of like, like I can't, at this, like at this age, like a hangover is detrimental. Like it's almost like giving your it's it, it's almost like giving yourself the flu, right? And I, and I was like, like this is dumb, right? Like I want to be an adult drinker. Like to me, like I feel like a hangover. Like I associate that with like like a college student or something, right? Like you know what I mean? Like I'm like I like I, I run a business, like you know, like 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 I'm in a fucking huge band. Like I, like I don't, I don't want to be the hangover guy. So I was like, I don't need to quit drinking because I'm an adult and I can drink like an adult. But I was like, but I don't want to be hungover. So like I quit hangover. Wow. That's brilliant. Years ago. Like I was like, I'm, I'm quitting hangovers. That's what I'm doing. And so at that point, my palate changed because it wasn't about, killing a case of Coors Light, right? Like it, 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 so, so at that point, craft beer and tequila became more of, a, of an interest to me because it's like, I'm not drinking 20 of anything. I'm drinking like one or two, right? So the quality and the craftsmanship into the, into the beer or, or, or tequila um, or rum or whatever, that became more important to me because I was like, I'm not, it's, it's quality over quantity now versus quantity over quality, you know? And, um, so, so my cure for the hangover is to quit them, <laughs> but while, whilst not quitting drinking. So I've just adapt, my palate has just adapted, but my, my brain and body and everything about it. Thanks me because I've kept everything in check and I haven't been hung over in years, but yet haven't needed to you know quit having fun that is awesome first time anyone has ever said that quitting hangovers i love it that's great i I think i'm gonna start quitting hangovers (laughs) and it's true we got to stay sharp and it is true that it's like giving yourself the flu and it kills your hustle game big time if ever i do feel hung over it's like i all of that motivation it takes me a few days to pick it back up and to get back onto the the hustle train which is so important when we we, you know we're an an extreme musician and uh, doing stuff on our own yeah that's great i love that it just destroys the day and i don't have that kind of time like i don't have i don't have disposable days Hmm. 
I love it. Blasco, thank you so, so much for taking the time. Yeah, buddy. Sitting down with me, having a chat, drinking your liquid death yes. water while I enjoyed this Springfield <laughs> session from Microbrasi Pixel. Cheers. Thank you so, so much. It was a great chat. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. What a great chat with Blasco. What a true legend. What a great dude. I love chatting to people in the music business. It is something that really, really interests me. And uh, I can assure you guys that there will be a few more guests in that line of work coming up in the future because it is something that I want to talk about. I also loved his hangover cure. He quit hangovers. Trust me, since I've done this interview, it is something that has been resonating with me, kicking around in the back of my mind, enjoying craft beer, enjoying life, but being an adult about it and just not being hungover because you can do that and you can enjoy life and still be responsible about that. And it is something that I suggest all of you should think about in the upcoming days. Just let that thought circle in your mind because it has been circling in mine. If you've enjoyed this episode, you should absolutely subscribe to the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. I have over 180 excellent episodes that you should go back and listen to. Don't forget that Vox and Hops is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. I have one more episode coming at you this Friday, but until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops hits. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. <laughs>